Welcome to Know Your Options, the Measured Risk Podcast. The ultimate guide to navigating the volatile nature of the markets while managing risk purposefully. Join us as we challenge the theory behind traditional asset allocation and dive into the mathematics of investing. Whether you are a seasoned investor or just starting out, this podcast offers valuable insights and practical advice to help you make informed decisions and manage your money wisely. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of calculated risks together. So welcome to the Know Your Options podcast. I'm Larry Kriesmer, and I'm here with my partner, Bernard Sarofsky. Today, we have Stephen Ambrosini, and he's with 2020 Financial Advisors, uh, located here in Cardiff, California. And we're looking forward to meeting Stephen and learning more about his firm. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm just curious if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into the financial advisory business at the get-go. Sure. Thanks. I love that question because it, you know, we this is a great business, and I never once thought I'd get into it, but here I am, forty years later, still doing it. Uh, you know, I I was a uh, I was a college dropout. I wanted to be uh, I wanted to surf the rest of my life and just do that, bartend, surf, and uh, stayed in the restaurant business. And I was doing well, very well in the restaurant business. And I started uh, interviewing uh, my customers, uh, asking them what they do because I was doing well, and I realized I was a good salesman. So I started interviewing my customers, and this is in nineteen. This is in nineteen seventy-eight, and I started to, to ask, "What do you guys do? You know, how do you guys make what you make?" And so I met one guy, and he said, "I'm the greatest salesman in the world, and I make thirty thousand dollars a year." And I met the next guy, and he said, "I'm the greatest salesman. I sell, you know, whatever, and I make sixty thousand dollars a year." Then I met the next guy who said, "I'm the best salesman in the world, and I make three hundred thousand dollars." And I said, "That's the guy." So I had no, I had no plans of staying in the insurance world. And that was where I began. The intent was to get in, get sales experience, and then leave and get a real job selling something I wanted to sell, like golf clubs of wine or something, solar energy, whatever. And I just couldn't get out because every time I tried to get out, the, the next job would pay me less than this one was. And it was probably had the same aggravation and frustration. So I just kept on hanging in there with it and it turned into just a fantastic, wonderful career. And that's the beginning of the story. It's much more to it than that. That's the beginning of the story. Yeah, I'll share a little bit about uh, mutual background. I see you have the same designations that I do, actually. I see, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Uh, I got into the insurance business because no one else would have me <laughs> back in 19. I graduated in uh, 85, and I would actually really wanted to get into real estate, but the the market in San Diego in 1985 was such that uh, I, don't know, I must have sent out 40 or 50 inquiries and didn't get a response. It was just like yeah. crickets. Um, yeah. And so my father-in-law actually, not then, but my 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 now wife, but then girlfriend's father uh, said that he, I should talk to his life insurance agent, which I did. And uh, we ended up working together for a long, long time. And that's what launched mm-hmm. me into the business myself. So. And was that local? Was that in California? Yeah, here in San Diego. Yep, we're, okay. we're in San Diego. So that's the um, that's the genesis for how I got into business as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bernard, your experience was a little different. Well, I mean, I'm one of those rare characters that actually went to the interview to looking to try to get into the industry. So I wasn't even recruited. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, I think when I walked into that office at that first insurance company, they almost like they were like, "Whoa, we've got we've got a live one." <laughs> and then I came to realize how much money they spent trying to recruit people. And yeah. I literally just walked in off the street saying, yep. hey, I want to sell life insurance. And so got that yep. similar kind of start. But uh, yep. yeah, it's, 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 you know, I used to do construction. And, you know, you, one day you look at this and, and you go, there's only so much I can do with my hands. I really want to use yep. my head more. 
Yeah. And uh, all right. so, so we're all life insurance guys. We'll get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it's interesting though. How many times did we think about trying to call ourselves something other than that? You know, we, we played with all these great titles because we didn't want to say, yeah, I'm a life insurance agent. I'm a financial consultant. I'm a chartered life underwriter. I'm an advisor. I, you know, I don't sell life insurance. I help you buy it. I mean, we came up with all these great strategies, but in reality, we're all we're life insurance agents. That's what we yeah, did. Exactly. That's we I remember Bernard telling me that if you get a chatty Kathy on an airplane and you don't want to talk, you just have to tell them that you sell life insurance and that, that's it. That's it. You're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a lot of money on a plane. I sure did. Yeah. You know, at least in our, in, in our case, that life insurance risk management was a huge development in how we look at the world and yeah. how we, you know, deal with risk sharing and stuff. But. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's move that on to, to Bernard's point when Bernard was in construction, because it's something you relate to our clients. We need to establish that foundation, right? Okay. Within a financial plan, we need to establish the foundation. What's in the foundation? Life insurance is one of those keys. You've yeah. got to have it there. Then the other pieces from there. But I, I often rely, I refer to that. Often. What do you think is your most important role to your clients? Like, What's your process of you know finding and or managing your clients? And what do you think is your most important role that you provide to them. Uh, as you guys already identified, I'm clearly not the smartest guy in the world. And uh, I, one of the things that I do very well, though, is I talk to people and I interview people and I draw them out. I had a, uh, I, I spend a lot of time getting to know my clients and what are you concerned with? What are you trying to do? How do we get you there? And while I may not have, maybe I'm not the guy that's going to build the portfolio for you. I got a, I got a dozen guys that will. So let, let's spend the time talking about what your concerns are, what your worries are, what keeps you up at night, what are you trying to accomplish? And here's the different strategies in which we can get there. And frankly, I don't care which way we go. I'm going to lay out three or four or five different ways for, for you that you can go. And here's pros and cons to every single one. So let's pick what you are coming with, what you can sleep with. So if I if I get back to the point of question, Bernard, what is it? It's, it's being a resource for the clients and asking them and helping them on their plan, keeping them focused on their plan. I'm making a phone call periodically saying, hey, it's me. What are we doing now? What's the next thing? Bring me up to date. What's the next thing? What's going on? So it's probably that. So, so it's kind of keeping your clients focused on their objectives is really yeah. your, your role. That's a, kind of like a financial quarterback, for lack of a better term. Absolutely. And when the markets are tanking, like we saw a couple of years ago, the beginning of covid I'm the guy that's saying, calm down. We talked about this. We got our strategies. We got our foundation. Is everything okay? You know, mom's good, mom healthy. Everybody's still working. The money's in the bank. Everything's secure. Don't panic. We'll be through this. We're okay. So it, it's that, it's that calming, it's that calming voice, I guess, that to let them uh, speak with, you know, to talk, get back to the strategy. Yeah, I mean, if you're a guide and you point your, your tourist in a direction and you say, just go that way. And then you, you stay there and, and push them off into the future. Um, they've got no, no chance of success. They're going to, exactly. you know, they're going to come to a corner that they didn't recognize, or they're going to come to a T in a road or something and look left and look right and, and look back and see if they can find you. <laughs> exactly. and if not, They're going to look around for somebody else to tell them which way to go. So yeah. it's really critical to, you know, stay there with the clients mm-hmm. and meet with yeah. them constantly. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Sure they understand where they're headed. Mm-hmm. So what's what's most frustrating about this business for you? There must be some frustrations that you experience. Oh, Not every day, but you know, what's what's the most frustrating thing for you to deal with? Well, we merged with another company last year. Uh, you know, the uh, the history, I don't know if you guys want to hear the history of the company, but we 
We merged another firm last year, and it's been fantastic on so many levels. But they are now pushing us in a new direction with new technology. We're moving from Redtail, our CRM, to Salesforce, which is challenging. We're bringing, you know, we're, we got the merger, we got the merger with uh, Schwab and TD Ameritrade. We got, you know, constant, constant uh, changes coming out of repapering clients where we had to change the broker dealer. So some clients were repapering. So there's just a lot. There's just a lot of the new technology coming away. I had a very interesting discussion with, with uh, one of my associates recently about I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an Outlook guy. You know, I've been using Outlook forever and I like Outlook, but the new pushes to is to, to Gmail. And, and, it, and the point was made to me that the Outlook is the older generation like me. I'm 67. And the, and the Gmail is the younger generation in their 30s. And they're kind of pushing us in that direction. So it's going to be good at the end of the day, but it's the effort to take us there, you know. Uh, so that that's the challenge that we're having personally. So I guess I would just sum up to be technology. I'm blessed with a with a good staff and with good people to stay with me. And you know, you, you hate to see people leave, but they do leave, and then that's the retraining and the refocusing on that position. But it's those would be, it would be the technology. I would I would say right now. You know, let's talk a year from now. But right now, that's the issue facing us. Yeah, I mean, I feel a real simpatico with you. It's like technology and me. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> and once it's figured out, I'm happy. And then, of course, let's throw it all up in the air and do it all this time all over. And, uh, what do you guys thing. use for your CRM? Redtail. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah. What about what what about performance reporting? What what's your firm use there? Well, we use Orion. We use okay. Allbridge. It would be those two. Your combination of those two. Yes. Yeah, we're we are on the um, black diamond. So. Oh, that looked great. They're the, they're the two top, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And this, and if, and if we stick on the challenges, if I go to Orion, if I go to Allbridge, or I don't know about Black Diamond, they're very much training us with podcasts and 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 videos, right? It's not like we can, I continually say to them, why don't we have a seminar? Why don't you fly us all in and let's put us in a room for a day and introduce your, your program and in depth, we're all bringing a laptop and let's dig into this. That's not what they want to do. They want to send us a podcast and sit there and listen to it and, and review it that way. That's not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a asking questions type of guy. I'm that annoying guy in the meeting that's asking questions constantly thinking no certainly it's good for me but hopefully i'm helping others as well and i and the, the challenge of the new learning the new technology is is a bit of a problem so yeah i wish i had somebody orion that i can call up and say hey it's steve again show me the performance where do you go how do you do this you know i think about legislation that we're you know subject to now with well in your broker dealer relationship with best interests and those type of things and all the rollover requirements that we have to do in, in our industry all this is great. It's designed to benefit the client, which is ultimately what all of us are about is supporting that end outcome. But gosh, it'd be great if some industry, you know, watchdog would make it so that all CRM systems were portable. And so that you established a relationship with Redtail, you could, you know, easily migrate that over to the next, you know, platform in some uh, like adaptive way that would allow us to not feel like we end up getting locked into a place. Um, really, sometimes you can start out wonderfully and find out that there is uh, a thing it didn't do or that it's not capable of or it can't talk to another program. And man, you're 
you're you're in a, in a world of hurt trying to get out of that. If mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Change, and and so. yet look at and yet think back to how we all began with the one card system and the paper right. and, and you know the, yeah. the, the, right. the it was yeah, just was. A, ridiculous <laughs> nonsense. You know. Yeah, and I tried to put that kind of stuff behind me, and so I have yeah. a <laughs> So this new technology is sensational, right? right? Think about where we were, where we are. It's sensational. Yeah. Which makes you wonder what's the next thing that'll look like, right? What's the next evolution going to look like? But it, so it's been fantastic for that. We were very fortunate when COVID hit and the shutdowns occurred and the staffs went home. We were we were already in the cloud. We were already paperless. We were already doing WebEx meetings. So it was it, it hardly it hardly affected us a bit. Uh, we because we were so used to it already. I kind of adapted to it when I moved up to this office in Cardiff. And so we were blessed with having that. But wow, you know, it, imagine what it was like for others who were not doing that type of change. You know? Yeah, yeah. We, we got similar, you know, questions on, from our outside compliance consultants about, you know, business interruption. And like, we didn't experience a business interruption at all. During, not at all. During the pandemic, since we're so required really to be already resilient to that sort of thing. So we don't know yeah, what happened. Uh, but it, but we should be resilient to it. So yeah, and let's go back to the insurance side. I mean, remember the old paper applications? Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, everything's now. We recently did a we recently did a a very large. I guess you want to call it maybe a key man contract with a with a law firm with which in, in six states. It eventually required fifty different life applications. Mm-hmm. We were blessed with using a DocuSign process, so it was. It was just fantastic. We were able to copy the application, the bulk of the application. Uh, maybe 80% of the information was similar. So we were able to copy that, you know, uh, document, 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 and then had a couple of new signatures and fresh information going in. Imagine that before the DocuSign. How would we possibly have sent 50 apps cross-country, overnighted, signatures in the insurer, signatures of the owner, signatures of the agents and the multiple agents in different places. Wow. Right. Impossible. Yeah. So, but so they, we're blessed with those types of uh, the updates. So what you're saying is that technology is kind of a blessing, but there's also the other side. I went to curse, but it's just, it's just the other. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, I, I do marvel at what, uh, what it's done and how, the, the efficiencies it's bring, it brings to our operational side. I mean, it kind of leads to, you know, what do you consider to be your most, re- you know, what is most rewarding to you about this business? Like what's the, What's what do you find most rewarding? Bernard, that is such a great question, particularly when I'm in the later years of my career. To work with clients for all those years and the intangibles that I painted 20 years ago, 25 years ago, are now coming together. And I told you this is what would happen, and it's happening. I told you this is what the income is going to look like. I told you what the retirement is going to look like, and it's happening. That's really encouraging. That's just just a great feel good story. Uh, so and it and it's again because we've been doing it for such a long time that we have these clients that are coming back and we now we 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 help them build the assets. We help them acquire the assets. Now we're helping them distribute the assets. And who's now calling the kids, saying, "Help my hey, you help my mom and dad. Can you help me do the same thing?" And you're handing that to your kids it's it's really a feel-good story yeah, you, you make a great point you know because i was just reflecting not that long ago on you know when we first came into this business you know most of your sales thing is you know sales generally is, you know you make a sale you move on but this is one where 
we almost have these intimate relationships with our clients that develops over time because we we are very privy to their most sacred information, which is their finances, which is key right. to everything else. And exactly sometimes right. we find out things before the spouse even knows. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, but exactly it's, right. It's, it is it is a while. It's been a very rewarding experience. And and to your point, to just see these complete intangibles. You know, I was in construction. You you know, you put up a wall and there's a wall. You, right. you paint a building, it's a new color. In in this right. business, it's you know you you lay. You start laying these tracks early on, and twenty years later, you you see the fruits of that labor. So I think that's a great point. It's good to know that it's a and, it's a common and, thing. And you never want to say trust me, right? You never want to say that, but you can trust me. And this is what I'm telling you: it's going to happen, and it's going to happen, regardless of who the insurance carrier is. And I don't want to just focus on insurance, but it's a big part of my life. I made you a promise, and I'm going to deliver this. And when mom and dad pass, and I'm the guy that walks in. And they say, there's the guy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, it's such a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Then you help those children as you promised their parents you would. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. There's another thing, too, that is so rewarding. And that is how I've been able to benefit myself and my family from this career and the knowledge that this career brings to me. Of how I can not, and I don't. I hope I don't say this incorrectly. Uh, the word, maybe the word isn't. It's not enrich myself, but the word is to take advantage of the knowledge we have: the four hundred one k, the IRAs, the life insurance, the managed accounts, the you know all these different things. So, I, and I often say to my clients, "I'm in the same stuff you are." So here's my network. Here's my here's my statement. I'm presenting this to you. I got the same thing, and that's rewarding now. And this point in my life that I can say, "Hey." You know, as I step away, because I'm 67, I can't do it forever, right? It's nice to know that I built my net worth to a very two point and I, I'm comfortable with it, right? In so many ways, and you guys sound like you might be the same. In so many ways, I'm that American story. My wife and I left when grew up middle class, you know, blue collar families, her family, my, my Catholic family, a lot of kids, not a lot of money. And yet, look what we did. And look what we created. Look what we built. It's it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. You talk about having some, you know, intimate knowledge about clients and, you know, and particularly when you add in life insurance as part of the practice, it's not just the finances, but it's the physical, you know, yeah. how are you, you know, from skin and contents, basically. So everything. everything. I think another area that we benefit from in our industry is best practices, uh, not just from being taught by other advisors, but from the clients. I mean, I've, yeah. I've picked up some, wonderful ideas dealing with estate planning and how to deal with the children of all types and complex, you know, distribution patterns. These are all just fascinating things that you gather, particularly in our role. You know, we're very much the quarterback in a lot of the relationships with our clients. Bring in the specialists for sure, but that information all rubs off on us and we can then be in a position to take that idea from client A that was really, really a great solution and be able to apply it to client F uh, yes. if it's a similar fact pattern. Yeah. That's, that's pretty rewarding as well. Yeah. And we were told this years ago by, uh, by the, by the big hitters that we were watching years ago and trying to copy and emulate that the beauty of this business is, and this is a perfect example for three of us, we're competitors, right? We're competitors. We've never competed against each other. Right. And we, and I hope we never do, right? but we never compete against each other. 
but we're willing to share ideas with each other to help you grow and improve your practice that you can convey to others. That's yeah. a wonderful thing of this industry. We're able, willing and able to do that. You know? We can imagine being a physician and finding out a cure to something and not wanting to share it with anybody because they only want to do I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. So we have a very simple kind of, you know, feeling this way. There's just too many people. Uh, you can't look at it as a, a scarcity issue. You have to deal with it as a, you know, sharing the resources and how to fix things. Larry, that's an excellent analogy. I agree. With you. Yeah. So you actually mentioned to your clients asking what keeps you up at night as part of the, you know, intimacy role. Mm-hmm. What keeps you up at night in your practice? Or anything bother you or are you concerned about? No, no. I am a, uh, like I mentioned, I'm not the most analytical guy. I'm not the most technical guy, but I've had a lot of challenges in my life business-wise. For example, one thing I did, uh, you might have seen my bio, was uh, 22 years ago, I picked up from Arizona and moved to California and literally started over again. And uh, and that was before all this wonderful technology was there, right? And the intent there, the issue there was, we had lived in Arizona for over 20 years. Uh, my wife wasn't happy there. We, we kept on trying to make things better, but the, the climate, the, you know, uh, it just wasn't the best place for us. So after doing all of this research and deciding that it was the right thing for us to do, when I did my own financial plan and knew what I had to do to survive out here, we picked up my mood. And, uh, and, and it was a daring move, and many people including my parents, said, what are you doing? You got a maid in Arizona. What are you doing? Why? And the answer was because we wanted to, it wasn't where we wanted to spend the rest of our lives. You know, where did you? And we, we all asked that question of what's the most, where do you want to be? Arizona wasn't it. And we also recognized that while the kids were young, we had to move while the kids were young because we wanted to make sure we had, gave them a place to land, to stay with us. So I started over again 22 years ago, and that was extremely difficult. But I'm, I'm, I am one thing I'm good at. Right? I've been telling you all the terrible things I'm at. One thing I'm good at is, is I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and dial for dollars. I'm not afraid. I got right back to my sales one-on-one. I got back to knocking on doors. I got back to the, the famous Ben Feldman question of, would you have an objection talking to me about your life insurance? And you just, just, you know, just knock on the doors and knock on the doors and you do it again and again and again. And that helped me get right back into business. And I was, you know, I, I eventually partnered with my present partner and we built, we built a brand, but that was it. So I don't, so I'm very, I guess to answer your question, I'm not worried because I know I can do that tomorrow. You know, I know I can pick up that phone and call Larry and say, Hey, Larry, Steve, can you talk to me for a couple of minutes? And that, and then once I hang up with Larry, I'm calling Bernard, asking the same questions. And something good is going to come if I keep on doing my part. Yeah. So business-wise, this point, no. Maybe there was other times. There's certainly were times where I was heartbroken and worried, but not anything else. I don't know. And you guys- tell me, Seema, coming around a little bit to the investment side of your, of your business, how are some of the ways that, that you guys manage risk inside the portfolios and well, and how do you communicate that to clients? Well, when you know everything starts with me with with a it's not a formal financial plan. It's just a yellow pad. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna just do my uh, I'm just gonna do my yellow pad questionnaire and just ask you and just have my and I got my routine right. I've been doing it for a long time. So I got my my routine, and I'm gonna ask a lot of questions about who you are, what you're trying to do, what you got, what are your concerns, what are we trying to, uh, where do we want to be, 
you know, and we're going to ask the risk. We're going to ask the risk questions. One of my favorite is, you know, um, you're driving your car. Where's the gas needle before you pull over to fill up? And that tells me what kind of risk taker you are with something that you understand. If I have a, if somebody tells me that 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 you know the, the gas needle is down below E and it's on red and the pedal's grabbing my foot, that tells me I got a risk taker, you know. So, uh, but then I do my, uh, but uh, if somebody's filling up at half a tank, that tells me I don't, right? So, so that's so I try to get an understanding of the risk is. Then I get back to my foundation, right? I got my foundation. I got the financial pyramid. You guys are all familiar with it. Got my cash. I got my medical insurance. I got my house. I got my I got my disability, got my life insurance. That's my foundation piece. And then I slowly start building it from there. So we get that. We get to the point where we're comfortable with the client wants and how much I need to have in the bank. If it's six months of income, if it's eight months of income, what do you feel comfortable with? So we establish that. So we've established that risk foundation. We're good for that. Then I got money to invest. And I got time, right? What's retirement look like? How long is it? What type, you know, experience, things like that. So now I got a quarter million dollars to invest, right? So I lay out the option and I go to Mike's and I go and I, here's my three or four or five ways to go. Uh, one way is we can just go into a managed portfolio with no guardrails and just go for it. Aggressive, conservative. I don't care which way it is. No guarantees in the market. This is one way in which we could go. And you are a moderate risk taker. So I'm going to build a moderate portfolio for you and then hand it off to my team and let them manage it following modern portfolio theory. That's what we're going to do. The other extreme might be the low risk guarantee. Am I selling treasuries? Am I putting them in fixed annuities? Where's the extreme? What do I need to do? What is best for you? What are you most comfortable with? Remember now I've got six months of cash in the bank, right? So I've already established that piece. I got the life insurance. I already established that. And then I got pieces in the middle. And the pieces in the middle might be uh, a, a, a uh, are you guys familiar with Beacon Capital Management? The BT Capital Management? Beacon Capital Management. Oh, Beacon, I'm sorry. Yes. So I so Beacon Portfolio is one that I commonly use. Uh, and what is it? It's it's a, it's a program which allows them where we're basically timing the market. We watch the market drop. It's you know drop ten percent. We get you out. We got to get out. But there's a place for this. We can. We've got some security on the bottom. We got some. We got something on. We got a backstop on the bottom. Once the market drops, I move into bonds. And we sit there until the market rebounds and get you back in. I'll go into more detail if you like on that. But that's another strategy. So that's a let me invest in the market, but I'm fearful. So I need to have something beneath me to stop the drop. So that might be another one. Uh, might, we might be using uh, a, some type of annuity, whether it's a variable or an index annuity, which is going to give me some guaranteed lifetime income. Okay. So uh, with those, and then of course, if I go back to the managed portfolio, there's all the variations on the theme within the managed portfolio. So without overwhelming the clients, and I'm probably already doing it, I got four to five different strategies. And then I turn back to them and say, What's, what are you comfortable with? What is best for you? What's going to help you sleep at night? What is, because if it's, yeah, I don't care how great this investment is, you're not, if you can't sleep with it, if you call them the next day, forget now. Okay. So that's kind of where I work. And then I turn back to my team and I have them build the portfolios for me. That's really just kind of, giving the client the choice, uh, kind of educating the client on what they, uh, what's available to them and letting them kind of, with guide rails that you provided, kind of, you know, pick what they want to do, like what kind of thing will, will work best. And I mean, obviously in an up market, everybody wants to be aggressive and I want the growth, growth, growth thing. And then exactly. along comes the whoosh and they're like, oh. <laughs> exactly. 
And, yeah. and when we were when we were new with this and somebody wanted aggressive, we'd say, great, here's the aggressive portfolio. Now we'd say, whoa, hold on a second. We don't maybe we want to take that down a tab. We can be aggressive, but maybe we want to be moderately aggressive or let's back it up a dot because you're right, you know, when it works, it's worked, and when it goes south, we get covered, you know, we get clobbered. So yeah, I always like to say everyone's a hero in, in, in an up market. It's when things go the other way. Yeah, yeah. I remember years ago losing a client because I only made them 45% in the technology fund. And I said, what? It's up 45%. Oh, so what? So is everybody. Well, <laughs> it was yeah, down 45 a year later, you know? I mean, 45 is crazy. You know, it's like yeah, anybody totally. and his brother would, would be just elated with that. Yeah, it's true. It wasn't enough, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, do, do, does your firm use any option-based strategies at, at all or not? I don't think so. And, and, uh, and, but again, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm going to correct that. They do. The merger that we uh, did early last year, it's been a year now with Prime Capital Investment Advisors, they have a very deep bench. When we created 2020 Capital Management Inc., 2020 has been around, financial planning firms has been around for almost 20 years. Capital Management Inc. has been around for maybe eight, eight years or nine years. We were a hybrid. Uh, we broke away from the BD and became a hybrid. And we went, we had all these different money managers working with us and we had multiple portfolios. And then we brought in a new money manager, a wonderful guy named Vinit Madan. And he basically saw all this duplication we we're having in our accounts. And he brought us from, I think, 15 to four. And, oh, wow. and that was perfect for me because I'm that type of guy. I like simplicity. The new firm now has probably 50 options. And we're still kind of getting into what their different choices are. And it's getting used to what that is. They, Bernard, they probably do. I haven't dug into that yet. And I'm going to tell you that gets back to my original concern or challenges. It's all the technology. There's so much going on that I really can't have been able to fully dedicate myself to those choices. I will, though. Actually, I was actually on my list today to give them a call and talk about it, a personal investment that I want to make and say, OK, guys, you know, where would you go? What would you do? What are my choices? So I think it's there, Bernard. I don't have them. I don't have that. Fair enough. What are some of the tools you or, or technologies you use to help clients with their financial planning aspect and to see? I mean, do you, do you use any? I presume you use some software packages on just mm -hmm. the financial planning side? What, what are those? Well, thank you. As I mentioned earlier, I'm like an old school yellow pad, uh, you know, uh, fact finder. So I'll, when I'm doing my fact finding, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I can handle a lot of the basic stuff on my own with my products and my system. But then I get to more sophisticated high net worth clients. And then I bring in my, my, bring in my partner and friend, Samir Tucker, up in Costa Mesa. And he is the financial plan extraordinary. He's the smartest guy I've ever met. He's extremely deep and technical. And he's, he's the guy. So I'll bring in Samir. Uh, Samir will then run his financial plan, whether we're using e-money, whether we're using, uh, oh my, during the blank on the old school financial plan that we all use forever. Oh, what is it? What is it? During the blank on the name right now. You guys would know it. Traditional financial planning tool we all use. Just trying to blank on what it is. But he uses e-money so, and Orion, so he'll bring in that. So when I need that uh, sophistication, uh, then I'll bring in some of that. And so uh, you're not profile, the guy really profile, using the software side as, as bringing people in. Okay, cool. Did you hear that? 
So we have might... we have a very loud plane flying overhead. So oh, okay, okay. Sorry about that. Having one of those uh, F-18s, uh, a couple of them circling right now. So okay, uh, if you can hear me, the system the system that we commonly use is called Profiles. I saw that. Yeah, Profiles is one of the software programs we were using. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we grew up with that as well, and, and then moved towards e-money. So similar yeah. software. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's remarkable as we do these podcasts, how there are only a, just a handful of software packages that have, you know, bubbled to the top as being the, as the most, you know, common to, to work mm -hmm. with. So maybe there is some chance that we end up with some sort of portability in the in the future between these different platforms. I, I can that's actually... A, that's really interesting because I had a... a uh, yeah, I had an interesting experience a few years ago before the virus knocked everybody down. We had a... And TD Ameritrade had this fantastic conference uh, downtown San Diego and you know, everybody went, it was thousands of people and it was wonderful, great, great speakers, fantastic. And then you go to the basement afterwards where all the vendors are and the vendors are hawking all their wares and you're wandering through the basement and you're touching everybody and you're looking at it and it dawned on me, we don't need anything else. We had everything that we need. Maybe we don't dig deep enough into what we have, but we already have everything. There was nothing new for us. Now, I don't know what the next new thing is going to be, but I feel as a, as a, a, as a company, we're, we're right where we're supposed to be technology-wide with, with assisting our, program, our clients in the business. You yeah. guys are probably the same. How much more technology do we need? What's the next change going to be? Exactly. Yes, yeah, I was playing poker last night, and this, new, this thing called, was it ChatGPT or something with AI? writing letters and emails and apparently writing essays for kids entering college and all that kind of stuff. I'm wondering, like, are we headed towards there where we're going to have these you know, AI written solicitation emails going out on our behalf and just who knows? Yes. It is pretty yeah. wild where you know, as we're living through this, what's it like, fourth industrial revolution or I don't know where the number is, even maybe fifth. Yeah, um, yeah. How, how things are just, but it still comes down at, at, at its core, it still comes down to relationships, right? Which, you know, which are, which are definitely built out of just, being there for your clients. I think Absolutely. It's always, you know, take care of the clients. Everything else takes care of itself. One, um, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the presentations at that conference I talked about showed uh, TD was working with somebody on, on a hologram. So instead of uh, me and you looking, uh, instead of us working where I, uh, like we are right now, Larry is transported right in front of me and I'm talking to Larry as he's standing in my room. Wow. And that was, maybe that's the next vision. We would have thought maybe that's 50 years away. The way technology is changing, it might be tomorrow. You know? Yeah, it might I could see that quick. showing up uh, Christmas 2026. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And then we get crazy. Is it, it going to go from a hundred thousand dollars purchase to a five ninety nine purchase because everybody's getting it right? right? Yeah. So yeah, that'll be. We'll see what the next evolution is on that side. I mean, have you, have you ever worn those goggles, like those AI goggles or, or, or augmented reality, sorry, AR goggles, you know, where you wear these goggles and you know, as you turn around, the whole view changes and you look down and it's wild, this thing, you know, years ago. Have you ever done that? I haven't. No. I'm telling you, it messes with your head. It's, it's <laughs> wild. You know, I, I did a rock climbing thing and I mean, you know, you see people literally just, but it's. Yeah. People are like right there, and you fall off a cliff, and you feel like you're falling, and they're, I mean, wow. they're padding around the place because people would literally fall. I mean, it's it's wild. And so, you know, oh, that wow. is a much, you know, that's a, that's upon us. Where you know, you and I could technically think we're sitting across from each other. Meanwhile, yeah. we have these goggles on, and 
you know, we can't touch each other, but you know, you, you reach out to do something. It's a, yeah. it's, it's wild what's going that on. That would be. That would be. Yeah. yeah. What advice would would Stephen of today give to you know new Stephen or or younger Stephen with what you know? What's the you know somebody starting out in the business today? What advice would you give them from from all that you've learned over the years? You know, both from your successes and from your failures. Don't quit. Don't quit. It's hard. It's impossible. You lose friends. You lose relationships. Uh, it's difficult. You're working too many hours, long weekends, evenings. It's hard. And it gets better. And it gets better. And it gets better. And eventually you're at a point. I mean, you're, you're in the beginning, you're sitting across from the doctor and the attorney and the engineer. And they're so much smarter than you. And you're so intimidated. And they're making so much more money than you are. And you continue to do it, you continue to do it, you continue to do it. All of a sudden, you're at the top of it. You know, and you're in control of your future. You're in control of your destiny. You're self-employed. You're, you're, you're enriching yourself with the knowledge that you now have and how you can invest properly for yourself. So just, just hang in there. Just hang in there. Don't quit. Do it right. That's the other side, right? Uh, don't take the shortcuts. Because we can make so much money in this business legal, right? Honestly, legal. And sleep at night and do the right thing for people. Oh, it, it's just so rewarding. So that would be the one of the things. And certainly become a master of your own domain. So you're, you know how to prospect. You know how to gather clients. You're owning the book. Uh, make sure you're doing that. Uh, because you, you, I'm sure we've all made that mistake of you working with somebody that you think is the end all, and then you find out they own everything, and you're out the door, and you're wondering what just happened here. So, so be make sure that you own, you know how to how to do that part of it. I think those would be some of the things I would address. Don't quit. Just hang in there. Don't quit. Maybe one more thing I would say: find a mentor. Find a mentor. Find uh, get your get your foundation. Find a mentor. And Larry, you said you did that already, you know, find a mentor and trust that person and, and, you know, and follow them. Make sure you're doing the right thing. Always always think back to what mom and dad taught you and what's doing properly, you know, but yeah, I would say that would be it. Well, I know we live in a world that's full of investment options. And the reason we started this podcast basically is that at the same time, many people don't know what to do or what choices to make. And so we've, done this interview in a way of opening up the doors and talking about how different advisors uh, deal with the same needs from all people, uh, but they mm-hmm. approach it in different ways. So thank you so much for joining us today, Stephen. Oh, and really? I enjoyed is there, this. Is there anything we didn't ask you that you would have liked to answer? No. Perfect. I could talk forever. I can, in New York, I can just keep on going. No, but you guys covered it well. Thank you very right. much. And really, I appreciate the opportunity for letting me do this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. This interview also may contain statements that constitute endorsements of measured risk portfolios, also known as MRP. Please note that any such statements are not made by clients of MRP, but by representatives of other investment advisory firms that work with MRP. No compensation was offered or given in exchange for these statements. However, a conflict of interest exists due to the incentive to give an endorsement in the interest of a good future working relationship between the endorser and MRP.